It's been about 2,000 years since the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds to announce, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel described this revelation as good news, great joy that will be for all the people. Shortly, we will celebrate this moment again on the Christmas holiday. I wonder if God is pleased with our celebrations. Let's talk about it today on Craving Answers, Craving God. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Aaron, when you survey the landscape of Christmas observation in today's America, that is our experience, does it generally meet with your approval or are you troubled? Well, I don't like I don't like the frantic pace of it. I don't like the over commercialization of it. Um, I, I don't like the way the entertainment industry has used it to make tons of money with cheap movies and even cheaper music, to be honest with you. But I, it's, it's, I I like, I, I I always like that Christmas is out there, even, you know, even if it's out there cheaply, even if it's, uh, you go to the mall, you know, and. So are you straddling the fence here? Is that where you're going? No, I don't know if I'm straddling the fence. I, I don't like going to the mall. I don't mean that. But what I mean is, is that we can't get away from Christmas. We can't get away from, we can't get away from Jesus. He's too embedded in our culture. And as much as our culture doesn't want a God man who is the Lord of the universe, we just can't get away from it. Like you can't cancel Christmas. That would be the worst thing in the world. As much as you hate Jesus, you can't cancel Christmas. That would be horrible. So he's always there. And as long as he's there, there's going to be an opportunity for some, you know, uh, somebody with a little bit of entrepreneurial thinking to say, huh, what's what's really going on here? And then, of course, the culture descends in mass upon that inquisitive person and says, don't look. There's nothing going on here. Just keep on buying stuff. Keep on watching movies. Keep on, uh, you know, downloading Mariah Carey songs. Pay no attention to the Christ behind the Christmas screen, uh, but I think that I do think that there are people who who will say, "Really, what is going on here?" And as long as that possibility is there, um, I'm for it. I'm for it. So, what did you say? We can't. How did you put that? We we can't get away from Jesus. Is that how you? Say yeah. That? Yep. So that sounds to me like you feel like we are not there yet where we've gotten away from Jesus, but we're on our way to that point. Are you worried about that? Well, I think that like, but by and large in the West, we've abandoned Jesus. We, we weren't, we're, I think we're, really? we're clearly at this point, a post-Christian culture. I know the world has abandoned Jesus. It always has, always will, but that's a pretty sweeping statement there. In yes. the West, we've abandoned Jesus. Yes. Yeah. The, the West is... Uh, the, the thoroughly secular that's what it's that's what it desires to be but there are still these lingering echoes uh, there we've talked about this before this is, this is not a christmas thing i'm about to say now but the fact that by and large here in the united states um everybody i uh, i say everybody it's not everybody but 
so many people are opposed to racism. That's that's kind of a, a hot topic issue. That's the only we talked about this before, but so I don't want to hammer this too hard. But, but the only reason why people are opposed to racism is because of Christianity. There is nothing in any other worldview which would lead you to assume that everybody is equal, it's, except for if Christianity is true, except for if there is a God who's made people in his image. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. You see, so you can reject Christianity, the structure of Christianity. You can reject belief in Jesus. But then you're going to turn around and you're going to say, but I think racism is wrong, morally wrong, objectively morally wrong. And I'm going to say to you, uh, you thought you got rid of Jesus, but he snuck in the back door. You just don't realize it yet. Now everybody else is going to descend, like I say, on that person in mass and say, no, 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 you don't need Jesus. You don't need Jesus. Just forget that. And, but, but they're wrong, of course. And that person, I want them to keep on thinking about why the, why all of his friends are wrong and how what, what does it mean? What does it mean to actually say that racism is morally objectively morally wrong. Well, I think Christmas is the same way. As long as the red and green bunting is up in the mall, as long as cheesy songs by Paul McCartney are playing on the local easy listening station, as long as all that stuff is happening, Jesus is there. Now, I'm not saying that that's an act of worship or anything, but the possibility of the question, what is all this for? What are we doing this for? What are we doing That's this there. for? Well, what are we doing this for? That's the question, right? I mean, I, I know what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it. Why because, are you doing it? Well, I'm doing it because God decided to become a human to take over the world. That's why I'm doing it. If somebody says, never mind, d don't worry about the whole God business. Let let's just celebrate Christmas. And I say, why should I celebrate Christmas? And they say, they're going to say something like, uh, you know, well, Christmas is all about family and being with those you love. And I'm going to say, I, you, you should be in my family. Like we're we're trying to avoid that. Like I don't want to be with my family. What's what's up? You know why why do I need a holiday to celebrate the dysfunction that is my family? You know, um, and this is by the way too. I mean, this is why people are depressed is because there is this sort of sense that Christmas is magical and every year. I mean, every year we think that, and and we're told that because that's important to get us to buy stuff is to be told. It's a very important that part of the magical experience that you buy gifts for the ones you love. And then every year we're all very, very disappointed. I mean, um, this is just a cliche at this point, but it's still true that depression rates skyrocket in the early weeks of January, suicide attempts skyrocket in the early weeks of January because we're all sort of depressed. And so if somebody comes to me and says, if I say to them, what does Christmas mean? And they say, well, it's all about being with loved ones and family. That that actually never has done it for me. And I think it doesn't do it for a lot of people. I'm not saying that family and friends aren't important, but it, but, it, but but as as a foundation to hold up an entire holiday by itself. And even if it isn't, even if your family is wonderful and you just love being with them on Christmas Day and the whole experience you could do that without, I mean, you could do that in the middle of September if you wanted to. There's nothing. So the question remains, what is Christmas about? What is Christmas about? And I, I, as long as that question hangs in the air, there's a, there's a potential for people to say, this has got to be bigger than, than what I'm, this has got to be bigger than just corporate America wanting to have a windfall at the end of their fiscal year. 
This has got to be bigger than just you know listening to tunes, uh, Christmas tunes as I walk through the mall. And as long as that question hangs out there, I think that there's a possibility that Jesus can reinsert himself into people's minds. So let's think about that person who is every year in preparation for the Christmas holiday gets caught up in the traditions, the family traditions. Then mm-hmm. these things are not necessarily bad or good, but they're yeah. but it gets extra busy and there's pressure and then there's some difficulty that uh, some tension that comes between family members and things like you talked about. If a person is saying to him or herself right now, you know, I I want this year to be different. I don't want to arrive at the Christmas holiday and just sort of slam into it because I'm at top speed. I'd like to spend some time thinking about that question that you just asked. What is Christmas all about? And instead of I mean, you, you can buy the presents and wrap the presents and send the Christmas. You could do all those things. But instead of allowing that to sort of swallow up the answer to that question, what is Christmas all about? What can I do here in these days ahead of the Christmas holiday to change my focus away from all that busyness into what is Christmas really all about? Or am I just doomed? It's just so busy I don't really have a chance. Well, we should take the time because this is an extremely important question that you just asked, Chuck. I, and I'm about to, to try to give, um, to the best of my ability, a thoroughly Christian answer to it. I think that the busyness distracts us from the, the first part of the question. The first, the, the first thing we should question to, to get at what you're asking about is what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world that we're all sort of aware of? And we need holidays like Christmas or the 4th of July to kind of forget about for a moment. And this is going to take a little bit of introspection. It's going to take a little bit of critical evaluation of our culture. But I think if we're honest and and we can take some time to pause and think about what's wrong with the world, we'll see that what's wrong with the world is that all of us have given in to the belief, I say all of us, I do mean mainly in the West, and I'm talking mainly about America, all of us have given in to the belief that money, that financial success, that material objects or, or, or things can make us happy, and that it's the job of the economic system and the political system to guarantee us those things, and that the economic system and the political system have preyed upon that desire by teaming up together to manipulate us into being into thinking that if we can buy enough stuff, if we can have enough things, if we can have enough financial security, we'll be happy. And we need them to do it. We need our current political system to make us financially secure and therefore fulfilled and happy. We need our current economic system to make us financially secure and therefore happy. And that Next step, open up our minds to the possibility that Christmas can, can, can function as a corrective to that in this way. It's possible that money and things are not going to make us happy and that the promises offered to us by our economic system and political system, therefore, are false. That's possible. I think that it's, I think that it's okay for everybody to question whether that's possible or not because I think we all sort of sense it. 
It's crazy to me how convinced I am that money cannot make me happy. And simultaneously, I worry like crazy about making money and losing money. I, I So we're doomed. I, I know. Well, possibly. It depends on what we do with step three here. It's possible that, yeah, I actually I'm convinced. I think like most people that money, money, money and things don't make us happy. That's just a, a people say that all the time, and yet we're all crazy for it. We're all crazy for it. So, like you say, we're we're doomed. If if Christmas is just going to be another celebration of political and economic security. We buy a bunch of things. We feel happy about that. We are going to step away from Christmas at the end of December feeling cold and empty because it doesn't make us happy. It doesn't fulfill us. We're still worried about it. Um, Step three, is it possible that the Christian account of Christmas, is it possible that God became a human being in order to fix just this situation? I I think this is... This is the story that the New Testament tells, is that God decided to become a human in order to become, uh, so you quoted at the beginning of um, uh, beginning of our time together today, um, fr- from the Gospel of Luke, where the angels tell the shepherds, um, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, so l- l- let me do a little bit of history here real quick. That is a radically revolutionary thing to say, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And let me tell you why. Because Savior, soter in Greek, is a title that people give Augustus Caesar, the Caesar who is the political leader of the the entire Roman Empire at the time that Jesus is born. He is the Savior of the world. He's also Lord. Caesar is Lord. It won't be but a few generations after that that all Roman citizens are required to go to a temple honoring Caesar, burn a little bit of incense, and make out loud the confession, Caesar is Lord. Messiah, the word here describing Jesus, is the Jewish word for king, the king, the one who's going to come and rule over Israel and make all things right. So the first Christmas is ultimately about a revolution, It's ultimately about God becoming a human being in order to be the true Lord as opposed to Caesar, in order to be the true king as opposed to Caesar, in order to be the true savior as opposed to Caesar. And we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from the notion that God has become a human being to rescue us from A, the bad systems, political and economic systems, which lord it over us, and B, from our own desires to be controlled by those systems because we ourselves are convinced that money and material objects and financial security can make us happy. But that's what Christmas is about. It must function as a liberation from the slavery that we have to all the things that commercial Christmas promises us. Is it possible to render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's? Go ahead and get the tree. Go ahead and buy the presents. Go ahead and have the parties. Go ahead and do what you do, whatever it is your traditions are leading up to Christmas. Go ahead and do all that. Render unto Caesar, but then render unto God the things that are God's. To do that, and so here we have Advent services on Wednesday. We're observing the Advent season leading up to the Christmas holiday on Sundays, So we render under Jesus those things that are his in that way. Can can you do both? 
Because it sort of has always felt to me like if you're doing, at least in the Christmas context, rendering unto Caesar, you're staining the other part of it. Is that true or not true? Yeah, for sure. Christmas trees and Christmas music, even, it hurts me to say this, but even Mariah Carey, uh, presents (laughs) for people. You have a Mariah Carey hang-up, don't you? Well, I know it's just that song that all I want for Christmas is you, which I think is probably the worst thing that's ever been inflicted on the human race. <laughs> or it's right up there. It's right Tell up us there. what you really think. Uh, so sorry, I keep picking on her in that song. But, but yeah, for sure. Like, go ahead and do that. But do it as an acted out symbolism of the fact that you believe that Jesus is God made human who has come into the world to undermine the commercialization of life. I mean, this is what this is what I mean. Christmas is an end of year celebration that we are <laughs> that we are walking, functioning producers that in our that in our economic environment, I exist to make money, and I'm happy to the extent that I do. The man is happy to the extent that I do for him. I get rewarded at Christmas by being able to spend an extra amount of that money to support that, and I'm told this is wonderful. It's going to be a happy celebration. If getting a Christmas tree, if sipping the eggnog, if listening to the music, if buying presents for all my family and friends, if that becomes one more acted out symbol that I belong to money and I'm a slave to it and the economic system which controls me, then don't do it. If that helps you, just stop. But if you can have a tree and listen to Christmas music and sip the eggnog and buy gifts for family and friends. And it is an acted out symbol of we are going to celebrate together the fact that Jesus has come into this world to undermine and subvert the slavery-based systems which own us. And we are going to worship him alone. And we're we're gonna put this tree up and we're gonna get presents for each other as a way of saying, God, we thank you and we glorify you and we trust in you to be the one true Lord, not money, not political power. We trust in you to be the savior. We want you to be the Messiah, not any sort of political figure, not any sort of like uh, paycheck. Then, yeah, go ahead and do it. It's a great way to do that. So, if the meaning of Christmas can be obscured by all this commotion, uh, I, I guess adults are in a position to recognize it. They've lived it. Do something about it to be introspective. What can parents or what should parents be doing in the midst of all this commotion, which is largely created by the parents? They're the one buying the presents. They're the right. one getting the tree. They're the one scheduling the parties, yeah. all those things. How do you convey the real meaning of Christmas to your children while they're in the midst of my commotion experience? Yeah. Well, one thing is just uh, back the heck off of all the <laughs> the commotion, you know? Like yeah. one one thing is just to stop and pause, and and, and not not just slow down, but to to let your kids explicitly know that this is not this is not about presence. I, I, this, now this feels like a, a cliche, but like we say this kind of thing, but then we turn it into that. And when I say the kids know it's about presence, the adults make it about presence. They want to buy stuff. They want the, they want the thankfulness for the from the kids. They want the whole experience, which is totally fine. It's great to give gifts to your kids, and it's so much fun. For those of you who have kids, you know this. It's so much fun to see them open up something that they love. 
That's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I'm not saying that. But to slow down and say, this is not ultimately what it's about. And, and I, this is going to sound a, a, a little bit uh, religious because uh, all of life is religious, and so you can't avoid it. But I would say you really need to make whatever Christmas celebrations and traditions that you have with your family, you really need to embed them into the story of the broken world, suffering under slavery, that the God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, comes to rescue, to make that a regular part of the story. And so one way to do that is to go to church. Uh, one way to do that is uh, to, to go to Advent services, where, where the the brokenness that leads up to the need for Christmas is lived in and thought about and pondered. Uh, one way is to actively read from the Bible with your kids, S- stories from the Old Testament about the brokenness of the world. And then, especially on Christmas, and, and we grew up in my family, and I do this with my kids too now, I think it's wonderful. We'll sit down, when we open presents as a family, just me and my wife and kids, we'll sit down beforehand, and the first thing we do before we start opening the presents is read through the Luke 2 account of Jesus's birth, which you just quoted here. And that becomes a filter through which the experience of opening presents can be seen. We open presents not to celebrate our family, not to celebrate love, not to celebrate the fact that we're uh, blessed and comfortable enough to enjoy nice things. We open these presents to celebrate the fact that God has become human and is now Lord of the universe and rules over all the fake systems which try and twist and turn Christmas into being something that it's not. You know, the Bible says somewhere that friendship with the world is enmity with God. I think I'm quoting that correctly. I found it to be both frustrating and ironic that the world, as the Bible describes it, has done everything in its power to capture Christmas for the purpose of commercialism. uh, commercialism. They start early and they sell, sell, sell right up until December 25th. But when you shop or even work in some of their stores, you, you might be told you're not to say Merry Christmas. You have to say Happy Holiday or something. You can't say Merry Christmas. That kind of peaked a few years ago, and I don't know if it's still an issue or not. That's my sense, too. But what do you make of this irony? Yeah, I, I think that kind of oh, – I know you're not talking just specifically about that. That was kind of a, a – I can't ever figure out those things, you know, like the, I'm not going to say happy holidays. I'm going to say Merry, or, you know, don't say Merry Christmas. That's offensive. Say happy holidays. My my hunch is that that's maybe three or four people in the entire country who love to stir up that kind of junk on Twitter. But but I I think that's right too. I think that, uh, you know, a a few years ago, I heard more about that. And now people are like, I'll just, you know, just say Merry Christmas. Even if you're not a Christian, you know, I don't have any problems saying happy Hanukkah. You, you know, to somebody who's Jewish, I, you know, what's the big deal? But your larger question about how, I, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, your question or your, or your, is actually a statement. Your statement, Chuck, is our system, the system that we live in, the secular godless system has to convince us that Christmas is about commercialization. You are not going to be happy unless your kids are opening up the PS5 this Christmas. You know, if I get my kid a pogo stick, I'm a bad dad if I'm able to get a PS5 and I get him. And a PS5 is what? Well, the PlayStation 5. What do you, 
Are, do you live under a rock? The well, PlayStation that, Five. It's the that, newest that would, iteration. That would have been my. Uh, that would have been my guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a warm place under yes. the rock on, on some things. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you know, so it's just it's as long as that's the case. As long as I, as long as I need to feel the pressure of getting my kid the next greatest thing. I don't have time or space. The culture doesn't have the luxury of giving me the time or space to think about the Lord of the universe. I've got to buy and I've got to buy now because my kid's not going to be happy unless they get this, which is the flip side of the coin to the culture needs this money. They need for me to work super hard all year long to save up enough money to give it back to them at the end of the year in order to purchase the products, which I've worked all hard all year to produce. It's how the broken, godless system survives. And it preys on the 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 sort of it, it preys on Christianity. It preys on Christmas. It preys on the lingering notion that Christmas has this deep transcendent value. And it taps into that to say, you want that transcendent value? You know how you get it? You get that when you get the joy of watching your kid open that PlayStation 5 on Christmas morning. And to to, to stop and say, no, it's it's much it's it's much more deeper and profound than just saying I'm gonna say Merry Christmas to the shopkeepers. That's it's much deeper than that. It's like I'm gonna ignore this, and if that means I don't get my kid a PS5, if it means I get them a pogo stick, I don't. My, my kid doesn't want a pogo stick, so there's got to be something else. If it means I get them something less expensive in order to make this point, or if I can't afford it, I'm not gonna go and hawk to try and chase this fake transcendence when it's being offered to me by Jesus Christ, then I will do that. I will stop and I will say, this has got to be about the Lord of the universe, about God becoming a human being to rescue us from the systems which are using Christmas to further enslave us. You have remarked in your preaching and teaching here at St. James that we are surrounded in our neighborhoods by people who are desperately alone. They're sad, depressed, in their isolation. And now comes Christmas, and instead of being lifted by the holiday spirit, they feel even worse. If today we have even one listener who says, yes, you're describing my situation exactly. Do you have any words of encouragement for that person? Yeah, so the, 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 the current commercial Christmas is designed to punish you in your loneliness. It's, it's designed to make you think that I'm thinking that's kind of a stretch. Oh, okay. So hear me. I'm out. trying to. I'm trying to picture some guys in a boardroom somewhere going, "How can we punish these people with Christmas?" That's uh, whether they know they're doing it or not is immaterial. What they are doing is saying, "We've got to convince people." They probably wouldn't even say it like this. They would say it like, "Hey, end of the fourth quarter, we're running behind. We have got to get some products sold." Thankfully, Christmas is the time when this happens. Let's really push these. You know, let's push this movie that's going to come out at the end of the year. Let's push the PS5. Let's really do some heavy-duty marketing. Let's get this album out. we got to get, you know, artists do this. They race every year to get the Christmas album out because they know that's going to be big money. And so I, I don't know if they're doing it intentionally or not, but what they're doing is they're saying is they're playing into this notion that, ladies and gentlemen, we can make you happy. We can fulfill you. You just need to buy this stuff. And so what happens is, is people buy stuff for family members who can't possibly be grateful enough for this stuff to satisfy their deepest desires for transcendence. 
and many people too. So, so Christmas is a time when we buy stuff for everybody. That's what the commercialization of Christmas is all about. But it ends up when, if that's the case, it ends up being the time where we all sit around looking at all the wrapping paper torn and strewn across the floor and thinking, well, that's over. And just trapped back in the loneliness that we usually live. And so what I'm saying is this Christmas, you know, buy the buy the stuff for people, all the things I've said before. But this Christmas, remember that God came to dwell with you so that you would not be alone. Christmas actually happened because God wants to live with us humans. So much so that he's willing to become a human being himself, to live life with us, to die our deaths with us. He literally died for us so that our deaths wouldn't be alone. And if you come to Christmas and you're like, I can really be happy with a PS5 or by giving a PS5, you're not going to be happy. But if you come to Christmas saying, I know it can satisfy my aloneness, is the God who loves me unconditionally and knows everything about me and still passionately is attracted to me, who has become a human being to live life with me, that is what will make you not alone. Now, go ahead and buy the PS5 if you can afford it. That's totally fine. As long as you're not looking to the PS5 or the giving of the PS5 or the kid to whom the PS5 is given to satisfy and make you happy and fill up that God-shaped hole inside of your heart, which only he can fill, which only he can fill, and which Christmas is all about him coming to fill that hole. Turn to Jesus. A friend once gave me a small book titled The Heart of Christmas. It contains a number of essays by prominent authors of the day. Uh, If Aaron Miller were to write an essay on the heart of Christmas, what would you say? Probably just the things that I'm saying now. I mean, there's other things too. Being a human is a valuable, valuable thing. It's so precious. Human life is so precious is one thing I would say. One of the ways that you know it's precious is, like I've said before, is that God made us in his image. That's why we're all infinitely valuable, which makes us all as humans equal. This is the basis of why racism is wrong or crimes against other people are wrong. The other way that you know humanity is valuable is that God himself has become a human. Christianity is the only religion in the world where our God is a human being like us, much more than us. He is definitely 100% God, but he is, he, he is a human too. I think that the, what I would do is I would say, if I was going to write an essay about that, is to, to take that and to say the things I'm saying now, which means that he's here. And if there's a human being who is God, then he's got to be way more powerful than any president or prime minister or dictator, way more powerful than any CEO sitting over a corporate board of some Fortune 500 company that's trying to get me to buy a bunch of product to keep them afloat. He's got to be way more powerful than those And he's come here to liberate us from those. And if we turn to him, he will do that. He'll liberate us from the rat race, from the hamster wheel of slavery to the political and economic system. I think the essay would probably say something along those lines. You know, there's a song that often we hear at Christmas time, the 12 days of Christmas, Mm -hmm. which is lovely in one kind of way and kind of tedious and long in another kind of way. Tedious is a good word. Um. But I was well into adulthood before I realized that the 12 days of Christmas are, it's not just a song, it's the Christmas season. Right. So 
On Christmas Day, we have the first day of Christmas, which is followed by 11 more days, which in the liturgical calendar makes up the Christmas season. Yeah. Which is running in the opposite direction of where most of us are going. Right. When when December 25th is over, we think that's it. Christmas is done and we're ready to move on to whatever's next. While the church season says no, no, we have the 12 days of Christmas season and pushes back against that notion that it's all done. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that that's reversible. I mean, I was well into adulthood before I was aware of the 12-day liturgical Christmas right. season and probably thinking like most of the rest of us that on December 26th, it's, it's behind me and it's over. Is there a way to reverse that so that we carry the glow of the Christmas holiday forward instead of pushing it into the past? I think that the, I think that the twelve days of Christmas, running from for those of you who are aware, running from Christmas to Epiphany, so the twelve days, like Chuck says, starting with Christmas and going after that, is a great. It's an A one way to do this. You don't have to have that. You could do this without the twelve days of Christmas. Although I like having the twelve days of Christmas to emphasize this. One thing I would do though is start off by saying, why is it that it's over? Why is it that December 25th, after that, it's completely over. Because it, I'm exhausted, that's why. Right, Whew. yeah. Yeah, and, and also because, um, well, the presents are done. Yeah. That's it. The presents are done. And so we're used up. The, the, you know, the culture needed us to buy all those presents to be slaves to the economic system. And then once it's done with this, okay, so Christmas is over. Move on to the next thing. Well, New Year's is a week from now. What are you going to do to get ready for the party? The grocery stores are going to have all kinds of ads about stuff, food that you can buy for your party. Um, the, um, there's going to be all sorts of uh, advertisements on TV advertising the uh, upcoming uh, New Year's Eve bowl games. And there'll be Valentine's Day candy at the uh, after that, at yeah, the local yep. uh, box store. Yep. So why is that? Well, the answer is is because Christmas is important for our culture only to the extent that it can make money off of us. Once those dreams are shattered that I'm going to be happy because of this great transcendent experience with my family around the Christmas tree. Then the culture is ready to move on and sell us the next thing. Like you said, you know, Valentine's day stuff is coming up and uh, the Hallmark company needs to make a bunch of money. If they haven't made enough money advertising Christmas movies, they're going to have to make some money selling us cards and candy. It's like the only thing left holding out the blessings of Christmas in our experience is the church. Yeah. Because other than that, all you have is the carrot of commercialism dangling two feet out in front of you that you constantly chase. I can, I can be satisfied if I just get this and you never get it, but it's okay. There's another holiday coming up. Actually the Christian church, so even closer, Jesus himself, and this is why the Christian church celebrates Christmas for 12 days after Christmas. He is actually what's happening at Christmas. God and man together coming together in this one person, Jesus of Nazareth, to solve the world's problems, to rule and reign and to make us complete and whole, to justify us, to make us satisfied, to give us purpose and meaning. And once you're tired of the the whole present experience and once you're worn out from Christmas and once the wrapping paper has been cleaned up and you're feeling down, just remember that God has become a human being to rescue us and ponder that. And that's probably the reversal that we need there is just to, just to get get people 
dissatisfied with current with Christmas as it's currently run and looking for new hope, new fresh meaning in the ultimate origins of Christmas, of the birth of Jesus. Here's my last question, and I don't even know if this is applicable. If it's not, if it's just sort of out of place, then you can just boot it and, and we'll wrap things up. Christmas is the celebration of the first coming of Christ into the world. Should we just leave it at that? Or as we look back on that holy event, should we also be contemplating his promised second coming? Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's what Christians do for for, the, for, for those of you who don't know. That's what This is what Christians do in Advent is to think about the brokenness of the world and the need for God to act, to rescue it, and how he did that by com- becoming a human being and being born, living in um, the Roman province of Judea 2,000 years ago, being arrested and tried for sedition and blasphemy, being crucified as a criminal, um, as an uh, as an anti-Caesar revolutionary, rising from the dead three days later to show that whatever Caesar, whatever anybody in the world could throw at him, he would take it and bounce back because he is the true Lord of the universe and king of the universe. He's ascended to heaven and sent his spirit so that the entire world, not just the province of Judea, but the entire world can be conquered for truth and righteousness and love, and that the forces of um uh, a political oppression, the forces of economic oppression can be conquered and done away with. But we're looking forward to when Jesus returns and wraps the whole shebang up and rules and reigns finally, completely, perfectly forever on his new creation. I think Christmas is a great time to think about that and the promise that he's going to make all things new. I think we would do well to not only contemplate the birth of the Savior on December 25th or for those 12 days of the Christmas season, but to carry that contemplation with us always. Whenever you happen to be listening to this Craving Answers, Craving God, Merry Christmas from all of us. For Pastor Aaron Miller and our production manager, Larry O'Leary, I'm Chuck Rather.